It's a global effort, and it's got 30 filmmakers um, around the world from 22 countries. And it was started to have personal stories of people coping with the COVID pandemic, the struggles they have, myriad ways to endure it. But it was also then started to show ways that people have risen above it as as best they can. Hi, I'm Dale Rowell, and you are entering a world gone good. Hello, hello, hello. I am Steve, and this is World Gone Good, the podcast where we shine the light into the darkness and or look for the light in that there darkness. It's there. Trust me. It's still there. I promise. There are four ways you can help us brighten the world. Ready? Here we go. One, subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to us on right now. Two, rate us on that same platform. Three, review us on the platform. Give us your honest thoughts. We want to hear from you. We want your feedback. And four, Share us with your friends on social media, email, text, carrier pigeon, however you chat people up, make us part of your conversation and help us spread the good. So if you've listened to previous episodes, you may have heard me talk a bit about my career in the always interesting, never boring world of, that's right, television. I have written and produced and directed with pleasure and every now and then with a forced smile on my face, (laughs) some truly powerhouse women. Most of the time, I go in and get the job done and go home, but sometimes I luck out and form friendships with these talented, talented ladies. Today, I'm speaking with one of those people um, who I got to write and direct for and now get to call my friend, Ms. Dale Rowell. Her resume is insane. She has been in so many things, and we're about to talk about the good of many of them. And on top of being an actress, she's also an activist, and she's here to share her pandemic-inspired project, Senna Tione. Here's my conversation with my friend, Dale. Now, you have had quite a career. I'm going to go way back, and I'm going to ask you a question. You're a, you're a professional working actor. What's the very first part you ever played in your entire life? stage or wherever? When I was in the first grade, because I was tall, I got to play the mother in the kindergarten Christmas pageant. Okay. (laughs) So that was the bug. I got the acting bug. That's what it hit. That was it. That was it. Now, this is according to IMDb, but you correct it. I see the first listing as Murder, She Wrote in 1986, and the part is called Nurse. Nurse. Yes, it was my, I believe, I'm pretty positive, it was my first TV job. And I had no idea how it worked to be on a TV set. I was so nervous uh, because it was Angela Lansbury and I was so, you know, enamored of her talent and her fame. And, and I just thought, oh my God, you know, and I think I had like two lines, something like, yes, ma'am, or right away, ma'am, or something like that. But I just, um, I remember being kind of shocked that, you know, uh, she wore her bedroom slippers during the the day because, you know, no one was shooting her feet. And I just thought, oh, well, oh, that's interesting. I It's not very professional. But I just, I just remember being so dazzled by her, and um, it was very exciting. And the, and quite honestly, the thing still runs. 
you know, I get little residuals for it, you know, 35 years later. It's crazy. My very first job was at the Soap Opera General Hospital, and I was amazed at the pace that everybody worked at. I never worked at a TV show. I was right out of college. But I was also yeah. amazed that all the actors had their scripts, and right up until five, four, three, two, and all of a sudden, everyone would cram their script like under a seat cushion or yes. into a drawer and then do the scene. Yes. And if anything was – and then they'd pull it out if there was a reshoot. But I was laughing so hard because I'm like the whole set was probably littered. <laughs> you know, it was a tinderbox ready to go up. Exactly. You know, my husband, Ray Thompson, uh, for many, many years was lighting designer at CBS and uh, shot Young and the Restless forever. And of course, now they do the same thing, but it's with their iPads. They just stash oh, the iPads under the sofa cushions and stuff. Now, you you sort of became an 80s queen because from Murder, She Wrote, you also did L.A. Law, Who's the Boss? Um Highway to Heaven and Alf. You did Alf. Alf. Oh my God. <laughs> it was a weird, weird experience. <laughs> you know, because I mean, uh, you know, Alf was a big puppet and um, they would have, I don't know how to describe it properly, but there would be like troughs in the floor where the puppeteer would kind of hunker down and get into his trough. And then Alf would stick up and do his dialogue or whatever. And so you, you know, you had to kind of watch your step because there were these kind of giant holes in the floor and he would be on the sofa, but the puppeteer would be under the sofa. Um, but it was, uh, that was a crazy time. I've, I've heard a little rumor, maybe in the last year, that they were thinking of bringing Alf back. I uh, heard this too. Now, <laughs> let me ask you something. You were in front of a live studio audience, weren't you? Yes, we were. I, I, I can't really remember it that well, but right. we were. We, yes, we were. We definitely were. Very nice people, but you know, we all have to kind of act like it's uh, we're we're you're, we're curing some terrible disease when actually we're talking to an alien life form. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I met you, and I think a lot of people met you a little bit further down in your career when you popped up on a show called True Blood. Yes. (laughs) You played a mama bear from hell. Yes, it was a blast, actually. I was a terrible southern white trash you know, uh, redneck. And of course I got fabulous lines that were very funny and very mean and awful, but, um, it was really such a fun, fun role. And they wrote just delicious, terrible things for me to say. So I was very grateful and, you know, the show ran for seven seasons. So it was great to get to know everybody and, uh, you know, the writers kind of could could write for your voice. So that was kind of cool. Uh, and it was just a, a wonderful experience. You know, it was written and created by Alan Ball. Mm-hmm. And he is he's the guy who, you know, did Six Feet Under. And he uses a lot of theater actors. He really runs a tight ship. So, you know, everybody was very professional and very, very skillful. So it was pretty cool. And now somehow they're going to resurrect True Blood, but nobody understands at all how that will happen. Um, no one, you know, nobody in the cast really knew about this announcement. Um, so we're everyone's just kind of waiting to see what happens. But maybe it'll be like 
all the characters when they were young or or something. But anyway, that should be interesting. Yeah. Where did you film? Uh, in uh, here in in Los Angeles, uh, the first season there was shooting in Louisiana. Um, and then, uh, after it, you know, became such a hit, they just recreated a lot of the, a lot of the, um, sets and stuff, uh, on the stage at, um, what used to be Warner Hollywood, uh, the lot it's called now. And then, um, they had a lot of exteriors up in Malibu ranch. Um, and then, you know, stuff, some exterior shots all around LA, but mostly at the lot. Do you hear something really crazy? So my ex and I rented a house uh, on Havenhurst and Santa Monica in West Hollywood. And we lived there for about three years. We broke up. We moved out. The very next person to move in, Anna Paquin's brother oh, moved kidding. in. <laughs> and he, she and him apparently, I don't know if this is the story. They're very close. And Anna then just moved in. So my claim to fame that you and I have in common <laughs> Is it we both have Anna Paquin in a in a it, like mine is like what, what would you say like like five blocks of separation because I moved five blocks from there. We are Anna Paquin adjacent. <laughs> now from there you went to a great show called Under the Dome, which got so much um like critical praise and also critical smack but i love that show and i gotta say the simpsons movie stole under the dome did you ever see the simpsons movie because they stole it that's what happened in the simpsons movie exactly steve well you know the first season it was only supposed to be i think a 13 episode summer show right so uh it was cool it was really well received and a lot of fun you know uh, and Stephen King was involved, and they had a great team. And and um, then it got to be such a hit that, of course, they thought, well, we'll do another season. So the second season was still pretty cool and fun, and Stephen King was involved. And But it, then it kind of took a weird turn a little bit. And the third season, really, you know, they really had to figure out a way to get them out of the dome to make it interesting. Right. So, so you know, hmm, it, it but but you know it was a it was fun to do except they you know it was shot in Wilmington, North Carolina, and you know um, believe me, I I try not to complain, but boy, it was hot, it was really yeah. hot. But you know, yeah. Speaking of Anna Paquin, I remember her saying that they pay actors to be uncomfortable, and mm-hmm. that was sort of a wake up call for all of us to stop complaining about anything because, you know, she had to, you know, run around naked in the dirt and the, you know, (laughs) and it was always cold at night or really hot or something. So, you know, I just kept thinking, you know, she can do it. I can certainly get through this, but it's really, really hot there. And then of course, with the, the, the concept or conceit of there being a dome over you, they always had to kind of figure out how to explain that wind was blowing Oh my God. Yeah. Or that bugs might be in the shot or, you know, <laughs> so there it was, some of that was kind of preposterous, but you know, it was, it was fun to work on. And I loved being in North Carolina. It was very beautiful. I think right now with our current situation, if we could all just live under a dome, I think everything would be fine. Well, yes. It's funny though. Cause you talk about that. It's like, there's so many things that people that you learn you know, I'm behind the scenes and I've done so many different jobs in production, but I was doing my own little 
my own little digital web series. And I, I asked my friend Denise Alexander, who's a soap opera actress of many years to come in and do this part for me. And we were filming in a real house in a very narrow hallway. And I had like a 1K light set up. Um, and to get the shot I needed, I, I unfortunately had to ask her to almost touch, like so close to the light that we were filming her, her close-ups, and we were in the second round. And I could like beads of sweat were coming down the like the right side of her face, and I watched the color leave her face, and I'm like, cut, cut, <laughs> cut, and I go over to her, I'm like, you need to sit down, and and she sat down, we got her some water, and she was a trooper, she was a trooper, but I turned I turned to my lighting guy, I'm like, we need to rethink this, like this is <laughs> <laughs> she's gonna be tan on the right side of her face, yes, exactly, and then she's gonna faint, right? That was my fear. I was like, I watched the color go, and I'm like, and she was being such a trooper, and she's like, I'm okay, I'm okay. I'm like, no, I'm looking at a monitor. You're not okay. Well, as you well know, and most people do too, until you're actually in the middle of it. You know, it it is not a very glamorous. Uh, business most of the time. I I remember years ago, I was very lucky to get a job in this movie called Out to Sea. And it starred Jack Lemmon and Walter Matthau. And that was cool. Diane Cannon and oh, Elaine Stritch. And it was, you know, wow. just wonderful. But a lot of it took place, most of it actually took place on a cruise ship. So we actually went to the Caribbean and it was a an actual cruise that they uh, shot uh, parts of the movie on. So, you know, it was very exciting and fun. And my husband got to go and it was really fun. So then, of course, there were all these scenes of people dancing on the deck of the ship and, you know, looking out at the water. So a lot of people that were actual passengers signed up to be extras. And by about, oh, two hours after that started, they were miserable. <laughs> <laughs> and then they realized they had to do it all that day and probably all the next day. Yeah. So it really took the took the the glamour out of it but i've always remembered that and they asked my husband if he wanted to do it and he said oh no oh hell no so he got to you know do all the fun things and go on all the shore excursions and everything but yeah it's not it's not always as easy as it looks most of the time your feet hurt or you know hence the bedroom slippers this is so funny because my husband co-produced a bunch of uh, you know web series with me and shorts that we did and we were working on a on a web series and it was like the third day of filming and he said yeah i want to come down i want to come down and he had never he's a nurse but he's like no I, you know he had, he had he had funded us he'd put some money in and he wanted to see you know what was happening with his money right so he shows up and he was there like two hours and we were working on a you know couple scenes and we got everything shot. I held, you know, yell cut and like, let's all take a break. And he comes over to me and he's like, I'm going to go. This is boring. <laughs> exactly. It is. And he started laughing and like, and we were doing a comedy. So at least he got to laugh, but he's like, and then everything after that was like, oh, we're going to go up to Ojai and film on this ranch. It'll be so much fun. Come with me. And he's like, pass. <laughs> no, no, no. No, it is boring because it moves at a snail's pace, you know. It always does. It has to. Uh, and it is always a miracle when any kind of project gets gets put together and turns out to be wonderful. I mean, there's so many things that can go wrong, but, you know, uh, it's still thrilling to to work on something. And then when you get to finally see it, it's sort of like, oh, my God, we we made a thing. We made a thing. Now, you have a project you're working on, and in this uh, web series – oh, my God, listen to me. All right, that's a great edit. Maybe I'll leave that in. In this podcast that I presently do, 
Um, we are called World Gone Good because we shine the light toward the good or we find the, the light in the darkness at the moment. And I want you to talk about what you're working on. You're working on a project called Sanatione. Did I say it right? Yes, you did. It's actually Latin and it means healing. And um, it's about exactly your podcast. It's about a world gone good. It was started. Um, it's a it's a global effort, and it it's a it's got thirty filmmakers um, around the world from twenty two countries, and it was started um, to have personal um, stories of people coping with the COVID pandemic, the struggles they have, um, myriad of myriad ways to endure it, but it was also then started to um, show ways that people have risen above it as, as best they can. Um, you know, surprising ways in which we found joy or focusing on hope or sharing or some kind of personal connection, a, a compassion. Um, so people, these filmmakers, myself included, which I'm really not a filmmaker, but, you know, we can take our cameras and if we see something in our daily life that speaks to us about COVID, then we film it and we send it in. And then the editors, who the editor, I think he lives in Karachi. I'm not quite sure, or Pakistan. You know, they put together um, all these filmmakers' videos into a cohesive 15-minute series, 15-minute episode. For example, um, one uh, episode will be all about the arts, about how music and and theater, dance can provide outlets for people and how in creative people are being, you know, to express themselves. All these plays that are done on Zoom or concerts that are done on Zoom, your podcasts, things like that. Just people cannot be kept down. Yeah. <laughs> you know that. And so these things inspire us. Um, another episode will be about how young people are coping and what do they see. Um, old people. Actually, um, one of the first things I shot was my friend Cece has a mother um, in Pasadena who's 100 years old and lives in an assisted living. And, of course, she was on lockdown, so Cece could not see her. So we... Um, arranged with her mom's caregiver to secretly bring her out onto her little balcony. And then Cece and my husband and I kind of climbed over this uh, <laughs> and got into the back uh, yard, the back, you know, garden area where we weren't supposed to be. And at least Cece, we could all, Cece could wave at her hundred year mother, hundred year mother and we all got to wave at her and it was and so I just filmed that it was very touching because you know she's a hundred years old she may never get to see her mother in person again so just things like that that you might see or um people giving an impromptu concert in their street or you know taking cookies to somebody who's you know doesn't have any money or sharing food with somebody who's in trouble but it's just ways to find a positive outlook um also about nature how you know when everybody was in lockdown um the the nature kind of 
you know, took a turn for the better. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. You know, the sky was clear, the air was better, the water was clearer. There was there were porpoises and dolphins in Venice, and the water was crystal clear for the first time in in that anyone's memory. Exactly. In the canals, yeah. So you know what's cool to me about this is that you get uh, images of people's lives from all over the world, and when they come pile them, you know, and edit them into a cohesive unit, you really, it opens your eyes a little bit. So what they're doing now is um, they're doing these 15 minute episodes that are shown on YouTube and on their website and everything. Um, And then eventually, if, well, when we can resume somewhat of a normal life and the vaccines are, you know, going in the right direction, they're going to make a documentary about all the footage they've compiled over this year. So it's really been um, a fascinating idea. And it's, as I said, you know, Steve, it's what you're doing is trying to focus on something that's inspirational and, um, and maybe gives us hope. So a couple of questions. How did you get involved? Um, a woman friend of mine who's a filmmaker who now lives in Wisconsin, she's involved with um, the, it was another woman whom I actually don't know, um, who started the project. And then, um, then we, you know, they just reached out to us and said, would you be interested in doing such a thing? And we thought, well, yes. I mean, it sounds like a great project. And uh and and so far we've enjoyed it. You know, Ray and I both are are kind of involved in it, and I do all the voiceover for their uh, videos, so I've enjoyed that. You know, keep my hand in a little bit. <laughs> now, are you a producer on it? Do you have some say in what's going in and the structure? No, we okay. do not, and that's fine. You know, I mean, what we do is just keep our eyes open and kind of report on what we see in our daily life. That's great. You deliver the material. And how many people around the world are participating in providing or bringing forward these stories and, and you know, actual footage? Yeah, uh, it's 30, 30 filmmakers. Wow. Yeah. So it's all over the world. And, um, you know, that's what that's what makes it pretty, pretty wonderful. That's really, really, really amazing. How many episodes, episodes or um small short films, whatever you want to call them, how many have been produced so far and gone up? Uh, I think there are now six and uh, they've got the schedule for whatever is coming next, but you know, um, it's kind of slow because it's uh, you know, all the footage has to be assembled and you know, there's a lot of moving parts as you well know. Now in your life, what has the word healing meant to you and what does that relate back to what you're working on now? Hmm. Well, that's a good question. I guess um, I I feel very fortunate that I have spent a lot of the pandemic in my home state of Montana, <laughs> which um, is a very beautiful place. My husband and I have been here for quite some a few number of months, and I have my family home here, which is lovely, and you know, I'm very grateful for that. So I think the healing part for me has been um, just to be able to be in nature and to be able to go for a drive and then go for a walk in the woods or go to the lake. And, you know, you're, you're not seeing a lot of people. Um, the city I live in here is called Missoula, which is a university town. 
and we are the pretty much blue county in a red state. So we're very proud of that. (laughs) Which isn't to say that there aren't people living in red areas doing wonderful things themselves. But I understand what you mean. Absolutely. You know, uh, so I think, I don't know, healing. I think I, I I feel just grateful. And it does, you know, brings home a lot of, extraneous things you might have been or I might have been doing in my life and, you know, rushing around kind of spending time that could have been, you know, better spent reading a book or, you know, painting a picture or, you know, doing something for somebody else. So I don't mean to get all precious about it, but I just think um, I wasted a lot of time. And I think it's been brought home to me that, um, you know, that we're just lucky to be alive and to be here and, 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 we should be so grateful. We have had people close to us who have gotten COVID and have all recovered. But right now we do have a friend in New Orleans who is very seriously ill. And that really brings it home to you. I think the lesson that has come in this time is, um, again, uh, no offense to my language at the moment, slow the fuck down. And I think that's honestly what all of us learned is, is what you just said is um, I love reading and I've been, I've always been a reader and, and we have this thing here uh, in Santa Barbara, Planned Parenthood every year does a book drive. It's two weeks long. It's at the convention center. It's the, it's the greatest thing in the world. The books are one to $10. And if there's no um, price on the book and the cover, when you open it, um, it's a buck. And so every year we go to this thing and I buy 15, 20 books and then I put a little more extra and I go through books like crazy. And what I've been doing is really just being present and enjoying the books I'm reading. And then when I'm done, I think of a friend and say, oh my God, Dale would love this book. And I get your address and I'm mailing people books. I'm not even telling them. Oh, that's yeah. great. That's fantastic. And I have friends who are just like blown away. It's a simple little thing. And they're like, oh my God, you mailed me a book. Yep. I had one friend, I, I mailed her a book. She doesn't live far from me. And she came to visit and she gave it back to me. And she's like, I'm not interested in this book. And we both started laughing. I'm like, I thought of you for this book. She's like, you don't know me. <laughs> <laughs> well, she was making, she made a mistake there. Steve. She, she, she missed out on that book. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I guess what, you know, what you just said is what I was trying to say in more words than necessary. But really, just slow down and, uh, you know, just kind of breathe and chill a little. You know, there's there's too much craziness, especially as you and I know, living in California. It's too much driving around yeah. and yeah. Ugh, yeah. So in Montana, it, that's a much slower pace, which we have appreciated. So Sana Tioni, people can find this on YouTube and also they have a website? Yes, I can give it to you. It's um, Sana Tioni, S-A-N-A-T-I-O-N-E dot I-Y, M as in Mary, S as in Sam dot org. And we're going to go ahead and we'll make sure that that's up on our site as well. I uh, Okay, before I get to the end, I always end these shows with three questions. Don't worry, you know the answers. But before I do, let me ask this question. Where are we going to see you next in film or television in a perfect non-COVID world? Oh, gosh. Well, um, (laughs) 
I did have a couple of projects that we're going to shoot, you know, this, this last spring, none of those have come to pass. So I don't really know um, what is going to happen to me. I, I, I did have a funny kind of wonderful thing happen um, a couple, a month or so ago, as I keep saying, I'm in Montana and um, I uh, have been auditioning a bit from here, you know, just self tapes and zooming and all. And so I got an audition for this commercial for Publix grocery stores mm-hmm. which is in the East and Southeast or something. So um, we were, we were supposed to, I was supposed to be with a friend and they were going to set me up with another actress in my agency. And, and, uh, but that didn't work out. And, um, and actually I, I was here, that was part of it. So, um, I said, well, I have a girlfriend here and she could do it with me. It's, you know, yeah, that'd be fine. They said, oh, sure. So we were supposed to be um, schooled, retired, thank you, school teachers. And she was supposed to be teaching me how to use chopsticks and eat sushi. So um, we we sent in our little self-tape and then we got a call back. And so we did the Zoom call back with the producer and the, the clients and everything. And then we booked the commercial. Wow. And my my girlfriend, Arlen, was she was like, but I do they know I'm not an actress? I'm not a I'm not in the union. I I I I said, Well, yeah, they do. So it was a blast for her because you know, I said, Well, Arlen, you're going to Hollywood. <laughs> you know, we went down and we we it, it was just a thrill because she enjoyed it so much. So we hope that that'll be showing so she can, you know, show it to her friends and family and everything. But it was like this little gift. And she and I have known each other for 50 years. Wow. So, you know, but the producers and the clients, they loved that part of it. And I think that's kind of why they, you know, they just like the, the, the happiness involved. So that, and um, I'm still very involved. I'm on the board of directors of the Skylight Theater in Los Angeles. And uh, we're still, you know, we are up and running, not, you know, not with plays, but we have um, Skylight Theater Zoom plays, all new plays. Uh, our, our writer's labs are still going. And before the holiday, we did a big fundraiser. So, you know, we have a lot of support and a lot of plans for this year. But it's been tough as as anybody, you know, in the theater knows and, you know, starting with Broadway. So, you know, but it, it keeps us very busy and we're very hopeful. So, so far, um, Skylight is hanging in there and doing well. We're keeping the arts alive. I'm going to ask you three questions. You know the answers. Don't worry. Easiest question. Where can people find you online and social media? Um, yes, I'm on uh, Facebook, just Dale Rowell. I'm on Instagram, Dale Rowell 8546 and I can't remember my Twitter handle, <laughs> but, um, and of course all my credits and all that stuff is on IMDB. Two more questions. Um, these can relate back to what we've already talked about or anything that's in your heart that you want to answer with question. Number one, who inspires you? Hmm. Who inspires me? Um, actually I think my husband inspires me. You know, he, he's a very optimistic person and uh, very uh, funny and um, really looks at the bright side. I think it was, he was raised that way and it's really paid off as we've gotten older and he still retains kind of a wonder about life. So that's what comes to mind. And the final question, again, you can answer it any way you want. Tell me something good. 
tell me something good. Something good is having friends around you that will put up with you no matter what and uh, that you have known for a long time. So they know your, you know, other husbands or other boyfriends and all the shame, <laughs> shameful things you've done, <laughs> all your failures, all your, you know, foolishness and still uh, rise to the occasion. And something good is a sense of humor. Thank you, Dale, for sharing your especially good ALF stories. I think it was the best part of the whole thing for me. I don't know about you. Check out Sanatione on YouTube and experience the good. Next time on World Gone Good. We essentially need pollinators to survive. Bees are responsible for pollinating about a third of the food we eat. My goal is to find people who want their own hives, and then I can be their own, like, private, personal beekeeper. It's gonna be a good one. When I get the inside good buzz from beekeeper Andrew Morrison, we're gonna talk everything from hive hierarchy to colony collapse and everything in bee tween. So tune in, honey, because you know it'll be chock full of good stuff and bad puns that will definitely sting. Until then, wait for it. Be good. Shut up. You love my bad puns. You asked for my bad puns. Look at how you dress. You wanted my bad puns.